Hello and welcome to Carl's Internal Monologue. In this episode, we're covering the Babylon 5 episode, Believers. It's episode 10 of Babylon 5, season 1. So this is a Dr. Franklin-centered uh, episode, and it's written by David Gerald. David Gerald is the famous Star Trek writer who wrote uh, The Trouble with Tribble way back in TOS, so uh, pretty well known, and he also helped create a lot of the foundations of TNG in seasons one and season two. Uh, but uh, he helped create the series Bible. It was his idea to have a Klingon on the bridge, which eventually led to the creation of Worf. Uh, and and he, uh, he created a lot of the backstories for those characters. Um, of course, they got severely rewritten over time, but uh, he did lay the foundation for what would become the next generation. Uh, and he has a lot of other Star Trek stuff and non-Star Trek stuff as, uh, that he's done as well. He's a very talented writer. Uh, and there's an episode that he wrote for TNG that never got made to air and was a later turned into a uh, fan film. And I'd, I think it was like the Phase 2 fan film series. I could be wrong. Uh, which was about... Um, uh, which was a, which was an AIDS allegory uh, t touching on current subjects at the time uh, and, was, uh, and featured the very first gay couple in Star Trek. Of course, we would never have a gay couple in Star Trek until Discovery uh, in 2016. So, uh, sadly, as progressive as Star Trek was, uh, and as much as they wanted it to be much more progressive than it turned out to be due to constraints of the time and studio mandates, uh, it took forever before we got our very first gay couple in Star Trek. Uh, but he would have written an episode in TNG that would have featured our very first gay couple. So... But that's, that, that's Star Trek. We're talking B5 today. So Believers is a decent episode. It's not great. It's not fantastic. It's not bad either. It's middle of the road, in my opinion. Uh, it, has no, it has next to no connection to the rest of B5 at all. It's very standalone, very consolidated from everything else. Um, I, I will only have a very small spoiler section purely because I want to speculate on an idea I had that I think would have improved this episode that would feed into future episodes. So uh, stay tuned for that if you want to hear my sort of small speculation idea. Uh, it, it has it is very minor, but it's just an idea I had. Uh, but as far as the actual episode, uh, it, we got an A-plot, B-plot situation, but instead where previous episodes balanced A-plot, B-plot, or the B-plot uh, really uh, really served to add to the world or to the theme, this, this B-plot is very, very uh, thematic-driven. It's all about tying into the theme of belief and taking risks and the need to feel, to feel useful and helpful and sometimes taking risks saves lives. It's very minor. I, I don't even know how many minutes of screen time it has, but at most, maybe five, six minutes. It's very small. Uh, you At times, you even forget it's happening. Uh, so I, I don't think the balance with the A-plot, B-plot really helped with because the B-plot just feels so minor. It involves Ivanova going and saving these people from raiders, which again has been a reoccurring thread in the background and is going to become important in a couple episodes when we get the signs of importance. So uh, I'll discuss that then. But... Um, and she ends up, and at the end of the episode, uh, the kid is reunited with his parents, and uh, it's supposed to symbolize 
that you know taking uh, Garibaldi spells it out sometimes it just works out taking risks sometimes uh, means the saving of lives and Ivanova has a couple of really good scenes especially the beginning where she's she's cooped up she feels cooped up in in the cnc and she's telling sinclair you know maybe uh, maybe i'll change it up you know i'll walk to and fro to my station and the next day i'll walk uh, fro and to uh the the idea is that ivanova has to be on the front lines she has to feel like she's making a difference and being cooped up in the cnc directing traffic stuff like that she's not feeling useful even though it's a job and she she needs to feel like she is making a difference because uh, we've already established that she's very pessimistic and that things in her life has not been going well and the things with her father, her mother that we've seen in the previous episode. So she needs to be hands-on. She needs to feel like she's making a difference in this world. Otherwise, things feel like they're going to be slipped away from her. Just like when her... Uh, yeah, her mother committing suicide uh, at a time when she thought she, uh, her mother was perfectly fine and uh, just uh, said, I'll be, I'll be downstairs in a minute, you know, kind of thing. And, and we'll, we'll hear about that later and, and, and talk more about her suicide in future episodes. But uh, the, that had a profound impact that she has to be there. She has to see what's going on to make a difference. Uh, that's a big part of her character. So it's fun to see that, but once again, it doesn't. It only feeds thematically into the A plot. The B plot is barely there. You forget about it. It's it's not a well balanced A plot B plot. The main focus is the A plot, and the A plot, while interesting and so has some good thematic stuff, uh, suffers a bit in certain areas. So, the entire point of this episode is in the name believers. It's about belief systems. What do you believe in and how far are you willing to accept that belief to, that will cause it to get in the way of other things? So you have these parents that are uh, that, that have this belief system that says, hey, you're not allowed to cut into our child, but that's, and that's the only way you're going to save him. So we're not going to let you do that. And uh, Franklin, Stephen Franklin, is very... I b believes in the power of medicine uh, and believes in saving lives. This is what he was born to do, in his opinion. And he is campaigning, go, no, I want to save your child. And it's all about religion getting in the way of progress and the idea that belief systems uh, cause issues. Uh, both to and both to and fro the connected the Ivanova thing of um, Franklin's belief system the belief in his ability to do right by this child to save lives causes the child to be killed uh, at the end of the episode where because the parents believe that if you cut into the person that their soul leaves them then uh, him trying to going out of his way breaking orders to save the child gets the child killed it's it's both his fault and the parents fault and they're in their both their belief systems at fault uh, so it's an interesting concept I think it could have been better executed 
Um, we will touch on belief systems and ideas much later in this series, and I think it's handled much better. This is episode blatantly attacks the idea of, of uh, belief systems getting in the way of, of helping people, but at least it's not afraid to show the after-effects of someone who believes in their ability to help people uh, causing problems. The arrogance is not a good trait. Um, so there's there's some really interesting interactions throughout this episode that I think is its strength. Uh, first, props needs to be given to Richard Biggs, sadly the late Richard Biggs. Um, he was one of the first cast members of Babylon 5 to die, and it's really sad because a lot of them have passed away at this point. But Richard Biggs is a fantastic actor, and he really threw himself into this role. He really loved this role, and that was very clear. And uh, if you look at uh, interviews and stuff and, and people talking about him, even JMS brings this up in his most recently released autobiography called Becoming Superman. Richard Biggs used to hold uh, improv classes. He would literally help people at cons learn how to act and stuff, and he would get up on the table and host and like host these classes. Like he was, he was bigger, he was larger than life, and he believed in fans and and he believed in the power of acting. And I, I think he really throws himself into this role of this. This guy, uh, the, Stephen Franklin, is one of the most optimistic characters in this show. And I've been talking about how optimism and pessimism has been balanced in this show to show that uh, they sort of combine to make a more realistic universe. Uh, Stephen Franklin can get pessimistic at times. Uh, at the end of this episode, he even has a deal of uh, uh, a speech about how being human is... Uh, where, where Sinclair says being human is, uh, is the idea that we care so much that we keep trying... And and Franklin is like no, uh, being human is uh is, is to keep trying and keep failing basically to, uh, th that we are arrogant enough to believe we can make a difference. So he can get pessimistic at times, but for the most part, he's incredibly optimistic. Uh, and he Richard Biggs shows the the power the range and power of his acting by portraying Franklin as dedicated, struggling at times arrogant, at times authoritative, and, and his ability to basically BS his way around the situation. I, I, I mean, look at the scene where he's he's basically lying to the parents, trying to get them to accept the, the surgery uh, against their belief systems by lying to what it entails so that he can save the child. Or when he gives the child the uh, the, the egg, and, and he's like, it comes from the planet uh, Placebo. It, it's a it's a nice little moment of him just trying to connect to them on some level and lying out of his ass so that he can save this child. It, it's a very beautiful moment and it really connects to to his character. We're gonna get a speech in season five about his father and what caused him to be uh, what what caused Stephen Franklin to want to be a doctor. And I think that moment right there really shows uh, just uh, just how much his belief in medicine really applies. And I also like how we get a prayer from him when he's going against orders and, and doing the surgery uh, is showing that he is religious. 
Uh, he just doesn't outwardly show it. And as we'll find out later, he is a, uh, and this is really a spoiler because it's not a major part, it's just an interesting bit of world building. He's part of a new religion that was founded in the Babylon 5 universe called the Foundationless, which believe that there is a god, but he's probably gone now. Uh, that, that there may be some sort of higher being. There had to have been, but he's probably gone. He's no longer here. So it's really interesting to see that, uh, the, the duality of him of believing in medicine and believing in some ver version of God uh, and dealing with these hyper-religious parents that don't want the surgery to happen. Uh, there's also some nice continuity with the gathering where he confronts Sinclair and said, you can force me to do this. You can force me to operate on this child, just like you did Benjamin Kyle with Kosh. And Sinclair brings up a good point that said it's all about escalation. He, he's like, I cannot override one belief system for another because the moment I do that, the moment I show that that I believe Earth's belief system in in saving this child is more is worth more than anybody else's belief system. I will then destroy the mission statement that Babylon Five was established for, which is peace and understanding of all cultures. Uh, and the moment that happens, it will cause issues. Uh, I may agree with you, but I can't I can't compromise what this station is about. Uh, so it's a really nice scene. Uh, and, and another another good scene is when the montage of of the parents approaching each ambassador and trying to get their help and trying to elicit sympathy. And uh, they uh, each of them turn turns them down for different reasons. For uh, for Jakar the Narn is. Uh, they they don't ha uh, they don't have enough influence within the galactic spectrum because no one's ever heard of this race before and that, and they will never show up again so it doesn't really matter and that that's how insignificant they are uh, that the Narns because they're trying to get so much political influence right now d can't do anything the Centauri uh, for them they're they're wasteful now they're 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 a dying race pretty much they're the the they're long long gone are the glory days of the conquerors. Uh, they cannot afford to do this. Uh, the, it, it would comp it would compromise it would compromise their political situation uh, and compromise of helping the in the reputation of uh, of these uh, of uh, protecting and helping these lesser known aliens. For Delenn, this is the most interesting. Delenn and the Mibari have a very strict religious. Uh, uh, re religious structure and we know that Delenn is part of the religious caste so she turns them down because of her religion and of course the hypocrisy uh, of the parents is whether you will turn us down because of your beliefs because of your religion how dare you of course they're doing the very same thing this Stephen Franklin but they can't see that because their own religion has blinded them and then uh, of course who can forget their their approaching Kosh uh, because they're really adamant about this. They approach the Vorlons, and Kosh, being a Vorlon, says perfectly, the avalanche has already started. It is already too late for the Pebbles to vote. Uh, this is showing Vorlons detachment from everyone. I've been talking about that. The Vorlons are incredibly detached from the rest of the galaxy. They, they know what's going on, and they don't really care. They're just trying to prep for it. And, of course, I won't get into that, because that will be coming up very soon anyway. Um, so they just don't care. This is mean, is meaningless to them. Um, 
so the 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 big the big point of the, the this episode that I think really sells this episode better than than anything else is that the child is killed at the end that Franklin goes against orders uh very keeping with his character and he saves the child the parents then believe this child is nothing but a shell and go through the ritual sacrifice of the child and kill him there is no last minute you know virtue of the two minute wrap-up star trek style where the child is saved everybody's hunky-dory no the child is killed the end uh there is no happy ending here i don't think a lot of shows in the 90s would have that the guts to do that i think a lot of shows nowadays have the guts to do that but a lot of shows back then didn't have the guts to do it babylon 5 did uh so I, I i like that you know while it's incredibly sad and tragic it both shows the the impact of hyper hyper belief in an idea and uh in the problems that can cause as well as confronts franklin's arrogance which his and without spoiling too much his arrogance and his ability to his, his want to put the weight of the weight of the world of all medical problems on his shoulders is going to become a reoccurring idea with him and it's going to weigh heavily on him in the future uh with certain plot developments um so i really like that ending uh it's a, like i said it's a decent episode so i'm going to get into spoilers for one brief idea i had it's again no connection really this episode has no connection to future episodes pretty much at all the most connection it has is some more setup of of, of ivanova's uh character art and it has a connection to the gathering but that's about it uh it's very standalone uh so it's like i said it's a decent episode but it's not it's not great so i'm going to get into spoilers now for an idea i had that would improve this episode and connect with the future episodes so uh throughout this episode we uh, there's a character called maya hernandez who's an assistant doctor to franklin and assists him with this entire uh ordeal and he, she she's a bit while she while she's incredibly talented in her own right and uh she she's willing to confront franklin on his obsession with trying to help this child but she also uh, is a bit greenhorn in the way that she confronts uh confronts uh the 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 parents and like how dare you not want to help this child what kind of god do you worship kind of thing and he's like no you don't you don't confront patients like that you uh, before you can cure the patient you sometimes have to cure the the the, the parents by uh by sort of finding ways around their belief systems being respectful of their belief systems now maya hernandez has been mentioned before in dialogue but never seen and this is the only time she'll be seen and she'll be brought up one more time in season five in objects in motion as saying that she's working now in mad lib 3 because she has the most experience with alien biology so that's all fine and dandy now here's the thing there's another assistant doctor we're going to be uh, introduced to who's going to appear in three episodes and be mentioned in several more called Lillian Hobbs. She's going to be introduced in season three, and she's going to be vitally important to confronting Franklin's drug addiction, uh, his addiction to stems. Now, wouldn't it have been more interesting if either Maya Hernandez was Lillian Hobbs or 
uh, that Lillian Hobbs was Maya Hernandez. So you basically swapped. So instead of Maya Hernandez in this season uh, and in this episode, it's Lillian Hobbs, or in future stuff, we bring back Maya Hernandez. Especially because we get that small teaching moment between uh, Franklin and Maya Hernandez so that we we come to understand that uh, that while well, he's the senior doctor she's still a doctor within her own right but she's still she's still learning uh so that w- in season five in objects at rest when he uh when when he appoints lillian hobbs to be his successor to this med lab on the station to be the chief medical officer uh that that there's a sense of of uh, of mentorship as well as her willingness to call him out because Maya Hernandez is willing to call Franklin out in this episode and much like Lillian Hobbs is willing to call him out on his stim addiction and that's part of the reason he appoints Lillian Hobbs to be his successor in Objects of Rest I think it'd be more interesting if that we were gradually building uh, this uh, assistant doctor of his throughout all these seasons to then appoint her to be his successor when he leaves the station in season five. Now, we kind of did that with Lillian Hobbs by her showing up a couple times in season three, being mentioned a couple more times, and then uh, having her show up and become the successor in season five. However, I think my Hernandez, who's been here since season one, would be a bit more interesting, and especially considering that she is mentioned in season five, so we didn't forget her existence. Um... And now you could make the argument because Babylon 5 is so large and they have so many med labs and they have so many doctors in charge of different med labs uh, and we're only seeing mainly Franklin's med lab that that it's fine to have multiple doctors um, that he's worked with and he appoints one of them. But I think, especially a modern day take on Babylon 5, we would make the assistant doctor to him a reoccurring character uh, so that we can get that sort of sense of mentorship and that sense of uh, of the young willing to call out the old on their, their issues kind of thing and then build that into them becoming the successor. I think that would be a much more modern take. Once again, serialized storytelling was uh, was not done in American television and was kind of, in the, way, in the way television works, brand new. Serialized has been around for a very long time in other mediums, but in TV terms, production was not... Uh, was not suited to it yet. Getting a, getting a reoccurring role was rare, and unless you were a regular, you weren't always on call, and as a result, um, many people didn't have... Um, there, there was not the production uh, the production ideas of, I constantly have to have this actor at availability, so we have to work around their schedule to film these episodes. That caused issues, and that will cause issues actually later on in this series with General Haig. So, once again, this kind of thing wasn't done in the 90s, so I can understand from a production standpoint why Lillian Hobbs and Maya Hernandez are not the same character, but I think from a modern-day perspective, I think they would, or even another medium's perspective, like comics or novels, uh, it would really suit for them to be the same character. So it would add to that sense of Franklin grooming this person to become their successor. Uh, but that was just an idea I had. I think it works fine for what it is. Maya Hernandez will be mentioned in the future. 
I think she just should have been Lillian Hobbs or Lillian Hobbs should have been her. I think it would have been made it would have made her becoming his successor much that much more impactful. But yeah, that's all I have for this episode. It's a it's a decent episode. It's not great. It's not bad either. It has some really interesting themes and interesting ideas. I think it could have been handled better. But uh, I'll see you next time uh, for Survivors, which is a Garibaldi-focused episode. Bye. Thank you.